You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today I want to uh, cover a podcast that was done by The Ringer. I don't think I've listened to The Ringer in a while, but I know there was a time at which I really respected The Ringer. Um, I don't know if that time has just completely passed or what the heck is going on over there. Maybe they just had some unusual hosts uh, that just, I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but as you can imagine, I have some thoughts about their thoughts on the NFC North. Um, I, I do want to touch just very briefly. I know you probably don't want to hear it all over again, but uh, so, some of the DJ Moore stuff. Again, I'm, I'm not going to go over everything. I, I already did. I'm, I'm beyond baffled at not even just Bears fans, but even Packer fans, the level of just complete media hysteria honest question how many times did you hear dj moore was an elite wide receiver before he went to the bears and i can tell you exactly how this happens this always happens in the free agency period i know he wasn't technically a free agent but whenever somebody is like the biggest free agent that person becomes a really big name all of a sudden because you just hear so much hype for such a long time. That was the biggest, that, that might have been the biggest move, the biggest acquisition, or at least one of them, this entire offseason. That's a reality. That's that's 100% true. In fact, even in this Ringer podcast, I think they said, well, like, what was the biggest uh, offseason acquisition in the NFC North? I, I would absolutely agree it was DJ Moore. I don't even know who a close second would be. I mean, I know what the other person's answer was, but I would very much disagree. But I, I genuinely think that carries a lot of weight. Now, again, the, the thing, and again, largely because I keep getting pushback, even from Packer fans, is the reason I want to bring this up. There seems to be a massive amount of confusion when I say who is the more talented wide receiver. And I don't know if I'm just on a different planet than everybody else. Nobody seems to be able to comprehend what I mean when I say that. Good wide receivers are good wide receivers, period. Devontae Adams, sitting in a room right now doing nothing, is a very good wide receiver, even though he's not doing anything right now. He isn't catching any passes, nothing. But just, it's in his DNA. It's in his muscle fibers. He is an elite wide receiver. Not because of what he did four years ago, three years ago, none of that. Right now, today, this very second. The question of DJ Moore versus Christian Watson, who is the better wide receiver, I don't know. But I do know, as a rookie, Christian Watson was more productive with his opportunities than DJ Moore was. And for whatever reason, I keep getting pushback saying, look what he's done. He's been able to do it for years. First of all, do what? He's been a top 30 quarterback for the last three years. The only time he was top 20 was his rookie season. But even that is irrelevant. How long you've been able to do stuff, it might go to your, your level of trust. That's fine. But we, we kind of, all it means is we know what DJ Moore is. We know DJ Moore is roughly a top 25 to 30 wide receiver doesn't mean he has to be this year but that's if you had to guess that's probably what it was the question is though what are you going to guess christian watson is if you're saying that we know for right now that watson is not as good as dj Moore, then you're saying you know that watson is not a top 30 wide receiver that's what you're saying that's why all of these discussions i'm having make no sense because i don't think that's what people are trying to say i don't know what people are trying to say 
But I think really what upsets people is when you when you kind of what is the the phrase upset the apple cart or whatever. The the national media because nobody nobody does their freaking homework. Everybody saw the stats I put out and they got just angry because it just goes against what they believe and what they believe is what they've been told and that is what they've been told is DJ Moore is a top 20 wide receiver that's not disputed which of course it is it always has been. This is so much like our society by the way. I've mentioned this a couple times where a new thought will come out of academia that nobody has ever thought in in all of all the years of human history and within 1 year everybody knows. No, no, everybody doesn't know. That's that's a made up thing. It's not real, and you are violently protecting that. And, and to, to some degree, I understand Bears fans doing it, but the level it seeps into even Green Bay Packers and, and outside of that the, the, is just incredible. And, and by people who have never done their homework. They have no idea. They don't even know what criteria. I spent an entire day explaining to Bears fans what yards per route run was, and they, none of them understood it. And, and, and this all ties into the, the Packers not being trusted or whatever. And part of it is, well, Watson, you know, he's, yeah, whatever. But again, what, what is any of this based on? Even PFF, one of the Bears fans, brought to my attention, and this is one of the main things I wanted to talk about, DJ Moore, I think, ranked 16th on their top 32 wide receivers, and Christian Watson was unranked. Christian Watson, by their own metrics, ranked higher. Now, I understand if you're going to guess, you, you maybe don't want to bet on Watson because you're just not sure. That's up to you. It's a subjective guess, is all it is. But here's what I find interesting. And I actually specifically looked this up because I, I, I keep thinking to myself, since when did DJ Moore ever become so popular? And I always liked DJ Moore, just like with A.J. Brown, even though A.J. Brown was always significantly better. But A.J. Brown was a guy who PFF always graded really, really highly and nobody gave respect to. And I kept saying, this guy's really freaking good. And nobody wanted to listen because Debo was the guy. Debo was this and Debo was that. And nobody wanted to hear me say, I think A.J. Brown might be a little better than Debo, honestly. It's close, but I, I might take A.J. Brown. Then he goes over to the Eagles. And he plays like a freak, and everyone, all of a sudden, everybody knows. Like, I freaking told you that. And I feel like DJ Moore was similar to that. I always liked him. He was, he was again, he's a top 32. He's a solid guy every single year. If we had gotten him in free agency or whatever, I'd be stoked about it. But the point is, nobody has ever talked about DJ Moore. And so I specifically looked this up. It was funny that the Bears fan threw this in my face, because DJ Moore, by all accounts, had a down year last year. Do you know where, so PFF ranked him as the 16th best wide receiver, which is staggering. Do you know where he ranked via PFF when they did the same article? And by the way, the, the people that write their articles and do their social media are not the same people that do the grades, and they never agree on anything. It's, it's hilarious. DJ Moore was unranked. How does DJ Moore go from unranked to the 16th best wide receiver because he went from Carolina to Chicago? And again, the only thing I can think is Justin Fields hype. Well, and offseason hype, right? Everybody, oh, it's the greatest acquisition, the greatest trade. This is such a good trade. This is unbelievable. And so people got themselves whipped up. The fact of the matter is, he has gotten, as far as his rankings are, are concerned, when I went back and looked at it, he's dropped every single year. If he drops again, he'll be outside of the top 32. DJ Moore is a fine wide receiver. I'm, I would never, ever dispute that. He's not elite. Again, his, his best year, he was ranked 11th as a rookie, and it's gone down every single year. But the, the absolute psychotic, like, oh, dude, you can't talk about DJ Moore like that. You didn't even know the guy's freaking name until he came to Chicago. Nobody ever. I mean, I don't know what's going on in fantasy football circles. Maybe he's a big deal over there. But as far as just your average run-of-the-mill, social media, casual NFL fan, nobody ever talked about the guy. He didn't come up. He wasn't talked about on podcasts as, like, one of the top guys. Whenever they were talking about top wide receivers, his, his name was never once brought up. His name has been talked about 
thousands and thousands and thousands of times on podcasts and YouTube channels and radio stations across the world since the trade. And again, my question would be, how does he jump from a non-top 32 team, according to PFF, right? They, 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 because PFF's social media, as well as like the people that write, that's more to do with the media. So when they're writing their, their top 32 list and didn't include DJ Moore, how does he have a down year and then jump to 16th? It's all just hype. He's a good wide receiver. He's not a great wide receiver. And again, he wasn't even as good last year as Mooney was two years ago. And remember what happened to Mooney last year? He was irrelevant. So it's, it's just this complete, insane amount of hype. That's all just narrative. And you can see how, how the, the brainwashing takes effect. I'm, I'm, I'm arguing with people that have no idea what the data is. They're happy to fight the data when I give it to them, which is why I need to just stop giving it to them. Went out and found every single data point I could find on wide receivers and compared them. And Moore was better than some, and Watson was better than others. And I just laid it all out, and I got accused of cherry picking. Like I just want to freaking punch people. In fact, let's let's have a little bit more fun. Let's let's use that whole Google machine here. Um, Sporting News had DJ Moore as their 25th best wide receiver for 2022. Darnell Mooney was 24th. So going into 2022, this is what I'm saying. Everybody just memory dumps everything that they knew. And then when an entity comes in and tells you what to believe, I don't mean you necessarily, I'm hoping because you're here listening to this podcast is because you don't want to go down that road, but a very, 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 very large portion of human beings, and specifically within the NFL community, will just take whatever they're... And granted, you get pounded over the head over and over and over and over and over. You've been told DJ Moore is one of the top wide receivers in football this year with the Chicago Bears a thousand times. Maybe you start to forget that DJ Moore was irrelevant in 2022. And again, nothing wrong with 25th, but he was ranked 25th. PFF didn't rank him in the top 32. This is sporting news, put him 25th behind Darnell Mooney. ESPN ranked him 50th. Now, I think ESPN is the biggest garbage heap in the world when it comes to anything whatsoever, aside from maybe draft coverage, although they just fired what's-his-name, so I don't know if I'm even going to use them for that anymore, because you got to pay for it, which is insane. They have the worst rankings of anything in the world, but still, DJ Moore, they had 50th. I actually found a different PFF article. Apparently, they've done this a couple different times. This time, they did rank him, and they had him 25th. Again, that's about what he is. Probably, maybe, I don't know. Now, these rankings are subjective, and you probably have some outside of the top 50 and some inside the top, I don't know, 20. But the point is, I'm just trying to point out where the general consensus is on, on, on these guys last year as opposed to this year. And if you want to say, well, there's a big reason for it, fine. But again, he had a down year statistically. So the only other thing is he's going to explode in Chicago, a team that runs the ball more than anybody else, and as a quarterback who, at least as a passer, and I, I will grant you, his rushing carries a good amount of value, but as a passer, which is all that matters to DJ Moore, he is Josh Rosen bad. So again, it's just strange to me that there's so much hype that has seeped, again, outside of just Chicago Bears. I mean, this has become like common understanding so that if a if a Packers fan says here's all the data that shows Watson actually might have had a better year I mean none of this is definitive but cumulatively and granted it's a small sample size and all that but I mean it's a it's a pretty uh promising thing to look at it's it's the most ridiculous thing you could ever say to think that Watson could actually be better than this top 25 wide receiver oh the nerve 
But all right, I had somebody send me this. I think it was Mr. Numberman. I can't remember. Let me see if I can find out real quick. Todd, by the way, I apologize. I, I don't get to Patreon as much as I should. I should just hang out on here and check for messages and whatnot. It seems important considering you guys pay for the privilege of being on there. But um, I see I have 11 messages from you, dude. <laughs> I apologize. It looks like, I swear, I, I know I responded to you on some of these, and I'm not seeing my response. You said that he's in Honduras vacationing, and some of my ads are in Spanish, and I'm positive I responded to that. It's really weird. Very cool, by the way, that it's uh, able to track that. Anyways, there we go. The Ringers NFL podcast. Uh, later episode, NFC North. Preview has one host being Pro Packers, the smart stat host, though a different host than the college wide receiver episode you liked. Worth a listen. So I listened, and I didn't like it. And here, here's the biggest reason, and we'll get into it in a second. It's probably not super hard to figure out which one is the smart stat host and which one is not. The problem I have is the host who I, I, let's just say, tend to agree with more, has no backbone and completely backs down every single time the other host challenges him. Every time she's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Sounds like you're stupid. He's like, yeah, I might be stupid. I don't know if she's super pretty or if he's just got no backbone in general or what, but it's like, come on, hold your ground, bro. Fight her. Fight her. Do it. He wouldn't do it. He backed down every time. Drove me nuts. Maybe they're married, in which case I would all also accept that as, as a uh, valid excuse. I'll just say this, and people are going to get mad at me, but I don't really care. There are two hosts, Steven Ruiz and Nora Princiati. I went and checked them out on Twitter. Here is Steven Ruiz's top post here. It's actually a retweet, but whatever. Here is what I found when I went through their Twitter accounts. Steven Ruiz at the very top here. Measuring head coach impact in their first year with a brand new team on, on improvement in EPA. It's a chart. I went over to Nora Princiati's. The top post is about Taylor Swift. The second post is about Taylor Swift. The third post is about Taylor Swift. The fourth is about Taylor Swift. Every single thing is about Taylor Swift. So we've got a uh, stat nerd and a Swifty breaking down the NFC North for us. So I just want to start off with this. And, and again, I'm, I'm there. There isn't too much that I don't think you can argue to some degree. It's just, what is the argument you're using? And, and this one kind of caught me a little bit by surprise. Yes, I'm a biased Packer fan, but it kind of threw me a little bit. So here is Steven talking about, I think both of them had the Lions as their top team. Don't have a problem with that. But here is what he essentially said about it. So now I'm fascinated to see to see how this goes. You want to kick us off? Yeah, I'm going to go with my top team. It's it's the Lions. I'm assuming you have the same team. Vegas has the same team. I think everyone is excited about them. After a busy offseason, especially in free agency, I don't think either of us were too excited about their draft. And So, first of all, there are some things that they both say that I'm very glad that they say because it almost seems like blasphemous to say it. Now, there is some kind of broad consensus generally that the Lions draft wasn't great, not you know, I'm saying generally, broadly, um, a lot of people disagree with that. But uh, for example, they both ragged on how absolutely horrible it was for the Bears to get linebackers. So stuff like that. It was just nice and refreshing to be able to hear it. How that kind of propels them forward. But I think for 2023, this the Lions have... I think they have the best roster in the division. I think they have the least amount of holes. There is that 
the specter of Jamison Williams suspension kind of hanging over this team. And I, I do think that's a big deal, which we'll get into a little bit later. But from top to bottom, I think this is the most solid roster. And I think. All right. That was the first one that was kind of like, mm, you think? I mean, I guess it depends how you would break that down, but he said the least amount of holes. Now, I'm not going to call maybes holes like a lot of people want to do for the Packers, so I'm not going to say Gibbs, their running back, is a hole. Especially when you factor in Montgomery, they should at least be somewhere baseline fine. The offensive line, I don't really think has um, holes in it. Now, it is an elite offensive line, although there is some question about right guard Halapalavati Vaitai because he's been decent to mediocre to subpar at times. I wouldn't go so far as to call it a hole, but it's at least a question mark. Tight end, similarly, um, we don't know that they have anything there. It's not a positive, but it's not necessarily a hole. They got Sam Laporta. We'll see what he can do. But wide receiver is, in my estimation, an issue. Now, I know they've got Jamison coming back, and everybody just assumes that means that they're going to be just this elite thing, and maybe they will be. I don't know. He kind of was given Christian Watson vibes just in terms of having that sort of next-level speed where he's just getting behind everybody in the little bit that we saw him. But we haven't seen a ton of him. And honestly, in the little bit that we did, he had a 63 grade. So it's, it's, it's a wait-and-see kind of a thing. But as far as what we know, they have St. Brown, top-five wide receiver, I believe. And then what? Let's just talk about the first six weeks, I think, before Williams comes back. It's, it's holes, right? I mean, they, they don't have anything. They don't have a number two wide receiver. All right. What about their defensive line? Outside of Aiden Hutchinson, who I think could end up being a very good pass rusher this year, he already was borderline top 20 with an 80 PFF grade in, a, in his rookie season. I would assume he's, he's only going to get better from there. How much better, I don't know. But I, I have no doubts about Hutchinson being a good edge. What else do they have? They don't have anything. They don't have another edge rusher. They don't have a number two, a number three, a number four. They don't have a defensive tackle. So aside from one player along their defensive line, which you need, I mean, a bare minimum of four guys, but considering the amount of rotation, I mean, we're talking five or six, seven, maybe fairly legit positions in terms of like actual high numbers of snap counts. They've got one. DB, I guess you can go to linebacker. Linebacker is... I mean, it's a giant hole with the exception that Jack Campbell can come in and be a very good linebacker. Even still, they don't have a better number two linebacker. Alex Anzalone is not good at football. Never really has been. So out of the two linebacker spots, they have one question mark and one bad linebacker. They brought in Cam Sutton, kind of a question mark for me. Um, he's kind of like Vitae in that he's had some good years, including last year but he's had more bad years than good years. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is consistently one of the more overrated players in the NFL every single year. Um, he had a good rookie season, and by that I mean 71 PFF grade. After that, it was 60, 62, and 65. Uh, the idea that he is some elite this, that, or the other, I don't know where that comes from necessarily. Should we call it a hole? Nah, maybe not necessarily. I mean, the corners across the board, there's a good chance that they're at least like setting a relatively high floor, but I also think it's a relatively low ceiling. They're just decent, and if they're lucky, th these guys won't have bad years. At safety, they got Tracy Walker. That dude is all over the place. He was elite in 2018. 2019, he took a step back, but was still good. Then he went down into the 50s. Then he went up into the 60s, and then this past year, he only played two games. Now they have third-round pick Kirby Joseph, who was mediocre last year. So 
I don't think they have good safeties. I think they have decent corners, maybe. I would guess they have bad linebackers with some not horrible upside. They have one good defensive lineman out of the four, five, six that you need. And they also have holes at wide receiver. Now, if you compare that to Chicago, I don't know that it isn't kind of close. Now, I know they all hate their offensive line, but understand, their, their PFF grades along their offensive line for the Bears is 75, 80, 66, 70, and then a rookie. That's not that far off from where Detroit is. Now, this is more run blocking. And again, if you look at true pass sets, which might be kind of not the best metric to look at anyways, fine. But And then you got Cole Komet over a rookie. And although Detroit has a better number one, they don't have better depth. So I'm, listen, I'm not advocating that the Bears are better than the Lions. I'm just saying it's weird to say they don't have a lot of holes because they do. I think the high-end talent is much higher on Detroit, which is why they end up being a better team. But to say that they have the least amount of holes is silly to me, especially when I look at Green Bay. And again, it, it depends what you call a hole. If you call question marks holes, then okay, well, we got tight end, although they do too. You got wide receiver, because that's a question mark, although I think Detroit also could call wide receiver a hole. Uh, I think we have a better defensive front, better corners. I would take our linebackers. I mean, I've, I've said this before. The the only massive holes that I see definitively is safety. I have questions in other places, but we're set at offensive line and tight end and wide receiver and quarterback and running back and defensive line and edge and corner and linebacker. And by set, I just mean... We're not looking to replace anybody here, at least not yet. A hole to me is, this needs to be fixed. Where does that apply on the, on the Packers roster? What needs to be fixed and replaced right now? Anyone on the offensive line? Not necessarily. I'm going to give Myers another year. Bakhtiari in the future, fine. But I mean, he, for, for 2023, this dude is not considered a hole. Watson, Dobbs, Reed, are we looking to replace these guys? Obviously not. Love? No. Aaron Jones and David Bakhtiari, no. Musgrave, Kraft, and DeGuara, no. Kenny Clark, TJ Slayton, Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Jair, Razul. These aren't holes. So, again, it's, it's, it would be interesting to look at his process, and I know everybody's down on the Packers, and I'm sure he was looking at question marks as holes, which is a, a big part of it. Um, and I, I wouldn't even, dis- it, it just depends how you ask the question. I was thinking about this yesterday. If you asked me about the Green Bay Packers, Ask me to rank the Packers, just 1 to 32, but two different ways. One way to rank them is confidence. Hmm, how, how would I? Made sense in my head yesterday. I don't remember exactly how I phrased it. If you said confidence that the team wouldn't be bad, the Packers would be very low. They would, because you look at teams that have a lot of data, and all you do is you look at good teams and you say, well, I have more confidence in them. It, it goes back to like the DJ Moore versus Christian Watson thing. I have more confidence in more replicating his success because he's been able to consistently replicate his success over the years. So if you ask me as a confidence vote, the Packers would be low because there's so many questions, which is essentially a low floor. If you looked at it, and again, I don't remember exactly the phrasing, but more of a high ceiling way in terms of, uh, you know, let's say rank them in terms of the odds that they win the Super Bowl. The Packers would actually be relatively high. Like if, if, if you put a ranking together and, and let's say whoever wins the Super Bowl, you get that, that amount of money. So you put the Chiefs number one and, and your number one is like a thousand bucks and it goes down. To, I would put the Packers above a lot of teams simply because I, I just think there are some teams you disqualify and say they're not going to win the Super Bowl. The Bears are not going to win the Super Bowl. They don't have what it takes. I don't think the Vikings have what it takes. I don't know that the Lions necessarily have what it takes. They might. They might. 
But there are certain limiting factors that I don't think the Packers can have because the bottom line is if you take all four teams and say all four meet their absolute top ceilings, the Packers are the number one team in football or or in the NFC North, I should say. So again, I, I don't I don't see it that way that the Lions have the least amount of holes. I think they have a substantial amount of holes. They're just very talented in the areas that they're talented, right? The the when you look at their offensive line, which has protected a quarterback to allow him to be much better than he has been, who then throws to one of the best wide receivers in football. Like, it's it's this nice little thing. But holes? Mm, no. And then he goes on to elaborate a little more in a way that I would kind of disagree. I think it's the one where probably the highest floor. I would probably agree with that. The Lions probably have the highest floor. I know for a fact the Packers and Bears have a lower floor than the Lions do. And again, it's very easy to explain. If love comes out and is a bust, the Packers are significantly worse than the Lions and, and, and Bears and Vikings and et cetera, et cetera. That's all it's going to take. And that is a possibility. The other comment, I'm not going to play just three second clips. We'll get into the bigger clips later, but just going through it, just some thoughts that were brought up. And it's good because, you know, again, all these things kind of force you to, to think about things and, and things from different perspectives. For example, the Lions are the one team that you could say is ascending. I kind of think that's fair. He mentioned that the Bears are ascending, but that's sort of a nowhere else to go but up situation. And even that may be somewhat unfair. I think they probably are a better roster. But when, when I think about ascending, and again, this is an, a situation where you could look at things from many different criteria to come to different answers. I think about the Lions early on, when they were building through the trenches and doing all these kinds of things, and they seemed as though they're building in a, in a positive direction. So everybody's kind of adding pieces, but that's not necessarily building. And, and it's not building intelligently necessarily either. And that's why I started getting on the Lions hype train. Now, I think that's gotten a little bit out of control, and we'll see if that momentum can carry over. But you can you can clearly look at it and say, look, this, this has been a mismanaged team for a long time that has just been throwing crap at the wall. And now you can kind of see a path, and that path is, is leading them. You can see where it's leading them in a positive direction. Now, with the Packers, there's a vision, but we got to put pen to paper, right? We got to see, okay, there's a fantastic job by the Green Bay Packers of having a quarterback ready to go. I know the fan base gets mad about it, talk about wasted years, wasted wide receiver opportunity, whatever, but it is a great thing to have a quarterback ready to go. So that's awesome. They've got wide receivers and tight ends loaded, locked, loaded, and ready to go. The vision is there. The question is, did we hit or do we need to you know, start building in a new direction? The Vikings are, are sort of at the top of a hill and... They need to come down and, and you know, kind of rebuild the car a little bit, and they just refuse to come down, you know? I mean, it's it's just, they, they just seem to be clinging, you know? And, and I, I, don't, I don't see the vision. I don't see the path. What, what are we trying to do here? It seems to me we're, we're holding on for as long as we possibly can. Well, I don't want to say arbitrarily, but seemingly arbitrarily just kind of saying, well, you're kind of old and, and expensive, so we'll let you go. Like, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a wise thing to do. Are you going to do that with Daniil? Well, we're going to try to keep Daniil. Okay. What, 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 what is the goal here? You need a new quarterback, right? Yeah. You going to draft one? Nah, no. Okay. You going to get rid of Cousins? No, I don't think so. Gotcha. You've got a good offensive line and, and some pieces here. Are we going to try to take advantage of that, or are we just going to run this freaking thing into the ground? Again, the turnover is fast, man. Guys, we're, we're talking even really good players. When you look at the, the peaks of their career, you're talking like five years. Some guys are longer, but you don't have three years to just screw around to, to try to figure out what direction to go in. 
Got rid of the running back. Smart. Do you have another running back to replace him? No, but he's gone. Okay. You're going to get one? Yeah. Okay, and you're going to get a quarterback eventually, right? Because it's been like three years of you guys wanting to move on. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay. Defensive line. Do you have any thoughts? Well, we'll just keep getting free agents like we've done for the last five years. Just bring in, you know, Zadarius and forget all the other Yannick and who's the guy they got this year. We'll just keep bringing them in every year. These free agent defensive tackles and edge rushers. Okie doke. You had those two well-established linebackers. Do you have a plan to replace them? No, nah, not really. We just, we just needed to get rid of them. Okay. Great. There's no vision here. And the Bears are the only other ones that you can say, you know, I, I can... Well, it, it's kind of the opposite of the Packers. They're going to get better, but, but again, that's regression to the mean. Really bad teams win like five or six games. If you're bad and unlucky, and there's some, some reason to believe that the Bears were unlucky, when you look at the actual strength of schedule, it was tough. When you look at um, their one-score game type, it's the same thing we ding the Vikings for, we got to credit the Bears for. They were really low in one-score games. So, you know, if they just go back to being a normal bad team as opposed to a bad and unlucky team, you get back to five, six wins or whatever. And they got a tackle and they got a wide receiver, so we're building around a quarterback. So there's a little bit of a vision here, but I, I genuinely think it's moving way too slow, and this offseason was a massive opportunity. I mean, you had draft picks, and you traded back to acquire more draft picks, and I don't necessarily see the fruits of that. I mean, where is this massive influx of players? $100 million. You could have a brand new freaking roster for that. What did you get? Where's your edge rushers and your defensive tackles? Where's your corners? Wait, I don't understand. You're trotting out the same freaking team with some low-end improvements, and one top 25 wide receiver is like the, the one big swing here. Now, yes, you're moving in the right direction. Congratulations. But you're so far behind. You need to pick it up. And this is the opportunity. This is when you bottom out, you end up with a massive amount of money. That's your opportunity to fully restock, with the exception of a couple little pieces here and there. You didn't fully restock. You did almost nothing. A guard and two linebackers. That's not good enough. Because at this pace... You're never going to restock this team because as slowly as you're building, you're going to be losing at the same rate. And you're not going to have this much money every year because as you add more people and you have to pay them if you want them to stay, the price goes up. And you don't have $100 million next year. Maybe you have 80 and then you have 50 and then you have 40 and then you have 20 So yeah, I think if you had to talk about a team that is ascending, the Lions make the most sense. But again, the only issue is this past year, it felt like they jumped the gun. They treated themselves like they were the Chiefs picking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, right? It's, it's just sort of this little extra. And I know it's important for them to get this, this uh, linebacker out there in Detroit, and he fits the, what the Lions do, which to me is silly. And, and I don't mean to knock the guy. I liked him as a linebacker when I watched him. I didn't like a lot of the linebackers, but I did like him. But the point is, he's kind of a throwback. Well, they're throwbacks for a reason, though. You know what I mean? And, and I, I just, I, I struggle with it, man. And, and you got other people, I was just listening to a podcast today talking about, listen, we got to stop calling that running back that they drafted, Gibbs, got to stop calling him a running back. He's a weapon. He's a weapon. No, dude, he's a running back. And the fact that he's also a receiver is great, but that's kind of common. DeAndre Swift was like the same thing, right? He was just a really good receiver. And so the hope is that he's going to be a better version of Swift where he's just a really good runner and a good receiver. Maybe blending Jamal, I mean... <laughs> They would be unbelievably lucky if they just got a combination of Jamal and DeAndre Swift, and I would doubt that they got that. So, I don't know. Again, I, I generally agree with that assessment that this is the one team that you could say is definitively ascending, depending on how you define that. But man, the NFC North is kind of a mess. And, and one other thought that I had before we take a break. Something that I want to do in the future, maybe we'll do it tomorrow, I don't know. Just as sort of a refresher and a reminder. 
I think oftentimes we come into this too definitive, right? Like the Bears were bad. They're going to get a little better, probably like five, six-ish wins. Da, 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 da. That's, that's, that's a guess, but the probability that you're correct, we're talking like it's not that good. And so just as a quick refresher, because as I look at it, it's like, man, the NFC North is a mess, and I don't think any of them are any, any, any good, and it's just kind of bad. Do you remember last year when we all thought the AFC West, maybe not we all, but many people, myself included, thought the AFC West was just going to be the scariest division in football, and the Chiefs have a chance of being the fourth best team in that division? I'm not positive if I said those words, but I wouldn't be surprised, and, and if that's true, it's probably the dumbest words I've said on this podcast, and there's some serious competition for that title. It was a joke. Everybody spent like mad out there. It was an arms race, right? Devontae went out there and Khalil Mack went out there with the Chargers to match up with Bosa. Oh, man. Raiders got Devontae. Dude, that offense is going to be humming. And what did the Chiefs do? They went backwards, but that's just kind of got to balance it out. And oh, my goodness. And then, of course, don't forget Russell Wilson to the Broncos. That team is going to be so good. Just a quarterback away, and they got one of the best ones in football. Oh, my God. That, that, that's, it's, it's, it's just uh, whoever wins the AFC West wins the Super Bowl. Technically, that was true, but not in the way that some of us thought. It's entirely possible that there are several really, really good teams. It's, I mean, there are so many variables here. I mean, just not even based on the fact that we don't know in terms of, like, because things are so different this year. No, I'm talking every single year. We really don't know. Things change pretty drastically, pretty regularly. How about this for an example? The Green Bay Packers, coming off three seasons in a row of 13 wins. Did anybody expect that bad of a drop-off? I'm sure there are some negative Packer fans that said, yes, me, I know you. You say that every year. I get it. You, you think the team is terrible every year. You're like a stop clock right once every 30 years. I understand. But it is, it is going to be real interesting. It's entirely possible that the Detroit Lions are representing the NFC in the Super Bowl and are just this unstoppable freaking force. The defense starts to pick it up and the offense gets even better once Jamison gets back and they've got Amon Ra working underneath and Jamison over the top and this is a true powerhouse here. Lions could be garbage. So again, a lot of this stuff is fun because it's theoretical and there are certain things that we know definitively and don't know definitively and, and so the arguments can still be stupid even though you don't know and so I want to continue to look at these things and make sure that we all see it the right way, but man, when you really sit back and think about what's actually possible, we tend to narrow things down way too much. Like, well, they're going to get between, you know, five and nine wins. Like, mm, could be 14, could be three. Just don't know. Anyways, uh, we'll take a break. I want to get back to this and obviously focus more on what they talked about with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I want to give some shout outs as far as Patreon is concerned. I did have somebody reach out and say, please don't read my name. I usually do that just because I figured people would like it. Just a minor little perk, but... Anyways, thank you to the mystery person very much for your support. Thanks very, very much to uh, Mike Hebring. Always there to support the podcast. Honestly, I had no idea you weren't even on Patreon, dude. I would have I bet half my Patreon that you were already there. And a uh, big shout out to Felipe Barasa. And of course, if you want to support, but you're like, oh, I just don't want him reading my name, just, just tell me and I won't read it. I just do it because I assume most people like it. And it's just a way of personally saying thank you, you know. But remember, you can join for as little as $1 a month. It helps me out tremendously. With that, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. All right, so here again, and it's it's to the point now where I'm, I feel like I'm just doing this to prove to you all that I'm not crazy. Um, and I think the more that I do it, the the more I'm convinced that maybe I am crazy. But <laughs> the blind hatred for the Green Bay Packers is is wild to me. So essentially, what we've seen is the number one team was the Lions, the number two team was the Minnesota Vikings. Generally speaking, as they go through this. Then they come into the number three team, and the, the data guy said I'm right before the break, I'm really excited to talk about this team because whatever, I don't know. Really excited to talk about my number three team. Um, and as you're about to hear, one of the first things he says is this is actually my number two team, and just listen to Miss Swifty. Yes, I'm going to continue to be condescending because she's the anti-Packers, anti-love person. That's just how this works. Um, her absolute shock disgust and disdain at the idea that the Packers could be anything other than horrible, and especially her reaction to the idea that Jordan Love might not suck. Ready? Here we go. All right. Third place. What you got, Steven? I'm going with the Packers, and really, for me, the Packers are number two in this division for me. And here's why. I have a confession to make. I, I think Jordan Love might... First of all, listen, did you hear her in the background? When he said that, when she, when he said maybe they're the number two team, she laughed and said, "What?" All right, continuing. Be good. Jordan Love might be good. He said. Oh, I think he might be good. Like I, I, I recently watched him. Uh, it was like a week ago. Like, am I nuts? Am I out of my freaking mind? What kind of a reaction is that? I think Jordan Love might be good. That's a no-brainer. That's not disputable. Her reaction to Jordan Love might be good, slash, there's a chance he doesn't suck, was, oh, 
Wow. I never, that's, wow, okay, please go on. Like, this is revolutionary here. His, his preseason tape, the, the, the games he has played in, you can, you can get in a good offense out of him. He has a good arm. He's athletic. I think he's smarter than people give him credit for, like as like a pocket passer. And I think his accuracy is getting better. I think he's becoming a better thrower. Like, you, we could joke about Aaron Rodgers and his influence on the locker room, but you can kind of see Aaron Rodgers' style, like that fluidity that he has to his game rubbing off on, on Jordan Love. He looks like a different quarterback than he was coming out of Utah State. He looks like a, a different quarterback than he was when we saw him play against the Chiefs a couple years ago. Where do you think he's he's developed? Because we are, I mean, 83 career pass attempts is not all that much to be going no. off of. Um, but that game against Philadelphia last year, what did you see going back and looking at that 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 was missing beforehand? So, first of all, just the way that she's phrasing it, well, where do you think he's developed? We're starting from the standpoint of, okay, well, he clearly was bad. So you must have seen some kind of a growth somewhere. Where is that? And then she referenced the Eagles game and said, what did you see in that game? Bro, there were like 10 passes in that game. Did you watch any of the 10? If you just happened to glance at all 10, you saw a good quarterback. What kind of a question is that? But again, it, it comes from the standpoint of, okay, let's back up here. He obviously is bad, but you're saying he, he got better? Like, where do you see that? What a stupid thing to say. We've never seen Jordan Love, really. The Chiefs game, the Eagles game, the preseasons, most of this can just get thrown out. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't give us a clear depiction of who he's going to be in the future. Right? It's a, it's a little sneak peek, but as we've seen, some guys are good right out of the gate, some guys take some time. I'm not going to accept looking at his college tape or the Chiefs game any more than I'm going to sit here and dunk in somebody's face about the Eagles game because I understand that it's a small sample size and we got to see what he can do over the course of a season. And even that isn't going to give us a full and complete picture. We're probably going to need more than one season if they give him that. So why in the world are so many people sitting here going, oh, you think he's going to be... That's so weird. I've, I've never heard that before he might not suck that's so so explain this to me like break it down like i'm stupid which obviously you're the stupid one break this down like what what has he done to prove that he's like good i don't i don't i don't, I don't even know what you're talking about i i think it's the the ability to make layups to make those throws I, when you're an arm talent guy which he was coming out of the draft that was his big yeah. thing he's like oh like that was the time when everyone was trying to draft a Mahomes and anyone who like threw a sidearm pass was like, Oh, that could be Mahomes. And I think that was what, how you were selling him. But the thing is when you watch that tape, yeah, he could get the ball down the field, but he couldn't get it to the receiver. So there was like accuracy issues. There was being able to actually hit the shots. And I think now you're starting to see him hit those more consistently. And then you put like details, a good offense. Details. It's the little things. And then Matt LaFleur, I think Matt LaFleur is good. I, I like the, the tight end. Uh, the, the tight end draft I'm they sorry. had. I'm just, I'm cracking up because like, I love one of my favorite things in sports coverage is how easy it is to make something that's just like a debilitating flaw sound like, yeah, you know, I mean, he's got a great arm. He cannot hit, like, he can't really hit the receivers. Not what he said, dummy. You're not listening. He said that was an issue for him coming out and he's seen improvement because that was the question you asked. That was the question. Where have you seen improvement? And he said early on, we didn't see him doing that. And he's he literally said the words, he's improved in that. 
hitting those downfield shots. But of course, she's spinning it because I, I think a spell was cast. And maybe I'm just immune to it. You know how some people can't be hypnotized? Maybe we can get super conspiratorial here and say that there was something in the COVID shots that um, forced everybody to hate the Packers. You know, it's like it magnetized you and caused you to hate the Packers. I don't know how that all works. But I'm apparently immune to it, right? I've got some kind of an immunity to where I don't, I, I'm not freaking brainwashed because she's incapable of listening to what he's saying when he's saying something positive. He said, coming out, he struggled, and now we're seeing that he's better. And she said, it's so funny that you try to make the fact that he struggled a positive. He said he got better. Oh, you freaking... But he has got a great... Goes way down the field. Not ball goes He's fast. having a little bit of a... a, bit, a little bit of a... And, and again, this is what I'm talking about with him. Having no spine whatsoever. He's playing along with the joke. And she's misrepresenting what you said. Oh yeah, ball goes fast. <laughs> Why don't you stop her and say, no, no, I'm saying it's not an issue. I'm saying he's better at it. It was an issue, not an issue. An issue getting it where he wants it to go, but he's working on it. And you should just see the velocity on that thing. Right. It's oh, so funny. It's like Ben Simmons. It's like, oh yeah, he's so good at basketball. By the way, he can't do the one thing that it matters. And again, he's playing along with the joke. That misrepresented what he just said. This freaking guy. Basketball, he can't He's got a little basket. thing about getting the ball into the hoop. But other than that. It's great. Absolutely dynamic player. Future of the sport. Really exciting. And now maybe I'm doing that thing where, uh, like, you know, during the offseason when Ben Simmons, there's like videos of him hitting threes. Maybe I'm doing that with Jordan Love right now. But that's, what I, that's where I'm at. I think. So he just completely backed off. He just backed down. She started laughing because she misunderstood what you said. And because she can't even comprehend the idea that Jordan Love might be good at stuff. She's never watched him, clearly, based on what she said. Oh, what have you seen? She didn't say, I watched him and I thought. She hasn't watched him. So she's basing it on nothing. And she got him to back off of his position. And say, yeah, maybe I'm just doing that thing where I actually saw him do good stuff. And now I'm getting overhyped about a guy. Maybe I should just go back to that thing where I assume he's terrible based on nothing. Spineless. He can hit those throws, and I like how the offense is kind of being built. I think we're finally seeing the offense being built in Matt LaFleur's vision, and I think this is the year we, we really see what it looks like. And if, like, Luke Musgrave, who apparently has been really good in camp, and, like, you watch his tape, he's a big dude, he's fast, he's athletic, everything that you expect from, like, a modern tight end, and then they draft Tucker Craft, who, could, who will probably play right away, I think it will take a little bit of time to get going, but once it gets going, I think the offense is going to be decent and a lot better than we think. And the defense almost has to be better. It has to be better. We were yeah. so, everyone was so optimistic about the defense. And then it was just bad. And for whatever reason, they kept Joe Barry, which is like, that's, that's my concern is Joe Barry. So, so your concern is not that Jordan Love probably could use more dynamic pass catchers. I mean, Steven. No, I love the not. optimism, but are we really, really sitting here doing the the rookie tight end looks great in camp? No, that's not what he's doing. He mentioned that as an additional piece, but you're completely disregarding people like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Aaron Jones and people that are already on the team on top of all the additions. Yes, in addition to that. See what I mean? Like how, how every single thing needs to be cut down. Like, oh, so you don't think he... 
So so he doesn't need help, like with better pass catchers? Why does he need better pass catchers? I don't understand that. So Jordan Love has to fail because he has bad pass catchers. How's Lamar going to hold up? Looks great in minicamp thing. Yeah, I am. I am. Maybe I'm too... Maybe I'm... See what I mean? See what I mean? He backed off. He ba- She asked a question. And he goes, no, not at all. Like, it wasn't even a question. Like, of course not. And then she she goes into her thing and he's like, yeah, may- maybe I am. <laughs> maybe I'm just stupid. I'm so dumb. <laughs> Please like me. Can you stand your ground on anything for crying out loud? I'm friends with too many Packers fans. I think yeah, that might that's, be it. That's, I, I'm, just, I'm just stupid. I just have friends that trick me, and you're smart, and I'm dumb, and I, I think I love you. <laughs> but there is potential for this defense to get a lot better. I know, like, I'm not high. And, and again, he moved off, right? Jordan Love, I think he looked good. I watched the tape. I, I, he's a stat guy. He knows all this stuff. Boom, I think he looks good. Really? 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 You know what? You're probably right. You're probably right about that. I'm stupid. But I, I tell you what, I, I think the, the receivers and, and, and the pass catchers is going to be great. Really? Really? Are you that dumb? You're right. I'm stupid. <laughs> but but the defense, though, the defense could be good. Good Lord. The heck is wrong with you? Why do you, why do you have a podcast if you're not going to hold your ground on your positions? What good is being on a podcast if you're just going to dump your positions as soon as somebody comes along and says, Really? That's all it takes for you to be like, nope, never mind. Never mind. Change my mind. That's pathetic. Man up. On Joe Barry, he's had one season in his career as a defensive coordinator. This is going to be year seven with a third team where he's, his defense has finished in the top half of the league in yards allowed and points allowed. And that was two years ago with the Packers. Yeah. As long as he can get them back to that point, and I think they have the talent to do that, I think this is a team that could compete for the playoffs. A wild card spot. And so I don't know I don't know if that's a given with the Vikings. I really don't. So okay, th- that's what I was gonna follow up on. Is you said that this might even be your second team. You would make an argument that the Packers are more more could be a better team than Minnesota. First of all, that's not an argument. The way you phrased it could be is not even a discussion. Any one of the four teams could be the number one team in football, including the Chicago Bears, the Green Bay Packers, and the Minnesota Vikings. All four of them could be. So the fact that you would ask the question like that, so you would make the case that they could be number two? Nobody should have to make that case. That's self-evident. So, so, so don't ask that question because it's dumb. Of course they can be. The question I think would more appropriately be, do you think they will be, or do you think that with the talent they are, this is the second best roster, or however you want to phrase it, but do you think they could be is dumb. Yeah, I think they have a better defense. I think they have the potential to have a better offensive line. It kind of depends on Bakhtiari, who's... I mean, that's a, a big yeah. question mark at this point. No, and, and by the way, I'm tired of hearing about that. I, I've heard people bring this up, and I think maybe it's just when people skim statistics, or like, oh, he's only played so many uh, games in, in the last three years. It's been one injury. He had one injury. Right? He got injured. He missed the rest of the season. He came back. He missed almost the entire season. They tried it out in one game. It got real bad again. They pulled him. Then the next year, he was out the first few weeks, and then he came back. And he stayed in. All right? Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that injuries aren't a possibility, and he might not have a heightened injury risk just based on his age, if nothing else. But let's not mistake this 
for he just has this injury th- bug and he just can't stay healthy. The guy had one injury and it just took forever for him to get back. So, I, I, you know, again, is there some validity to, well, injuries are a factor? Of course, but that's true of every single human being. And if it's his age, then it applies to every human being at that age. But I absolutely will not sit here and listen to people talk about how he's just had this injury-riddled couple of years. No, one injury. Right. And then I think, like, the scheme is enough to make up whatever differences you have in quarterback talent and then obviously wide receiver talent with Justin Jefferson. Like, the Packers don't have any anybody that can compete with that. But I think, like, on the whole, with the running game, with the offensive line, with Matt LaFleur designing the offense, with, I mean, not a good receiving core, but there are some useful players. I think you can make up that. And, and, and again, I, I hate to nitpick here, but that's a dumb assessment of the team. The There is a range of how good the team can be. If we're just going based on one year, which is probably too small of a sample size, then you're already wrong because Christian Watson was a top 20 wide receiver last year. Not if you just look at fantasy football stats, although his fantasy football stats are probably through the roof because of the the rushing yards and touchdowns and rushing touchdowns and everything else. But if you just look at receiving yards, which apparently is what most people like to do, you can't even look at receiving touchdowns because it actually wasn't that bad. The only thing is yards, which is like 611 or something. And again, he played... I don't want to call it a half a year, but roughly that. I think it was 270 snaps, which is about half of what some of the top guys run, over 500. And I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to fight you on that. If you're like, well, I don't really trust it, that's fine. I don't know if I trust it, because the, the majority of that production came in like a four-game stretch. But you can't say that I'm basing it on what I saw, and I'm going to come to the conclusion of this is what they are. Because if you're just basing it on that sample, then you have to base it on that sample and say that they're good. Otherwise, the only thing is, I don't really know. But to say that I have come to the conclusion that Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Tucker Kraft, Josiah DeGuara, Samori Ture, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, that that group is adequate but not great. You're making up random stuff. You could say, I would guess... And again, I'm not fighting on the Justin Jefferson thing, but if we're talking about units as a whole, saying that the Vikings have an elite group and the Packers have a so-so group, no, we, we can't, and we don't even know what the Vikings said. They might be even way better because they drafted a wide receiver too, or they could go backwards because they lost a wide receiver, replaced him with a rookie, and if he's bad, then they went backwards. But there's a big difference between saying, look, I, I really like what the, the Vikings do as a passing offense with their quarterback and wide receivers, and, and the, the Packers will be mediocre. You don't know that. That difference, and then I think the defense has the potential to be a lot better than Minnesota. So that's my argument I, for for Green Bay. I don't. I mean, look. First of all, Jordan Love could be anything. Exactly. So what the heck are you giggling about? Jordan Love could be the next Aaron Rodgers, right? We just don't know. Like eighty three career pass attempts is just we don't know. It's... And again, my only point is, then you shouldn't default to bad. You should just say, I don't know. Now, you can default to bad in some situations if, if, and again, this is what I feel like everyone's been doing is treating him like he's a fifth round pick. In fact, I think it was, I don't know if it was this episode, I think it might have been a a different ringer. I I let it go on to the next episode. Um, But they were talking about one of the biggest, actually it might have been this one, one of the biggest issues is the backup quarterback situation. Why? Actually, I, I don't think it was this episode. But because... They even went on to make some kind of a comment. Packers fans, you might be watching Carson Wentz make throws in Week 9. First of all, if you're talking about injury, why is there only one team in the NFL that's judged based on their backup quarterback? 
Because any other team that is judged based on how good they're going to be when their backup quarterback has to take over in case of injury, then every team sucks. Every single one. The exception may be the Bears. <laughs> but they're not talking about that. What they're very seriously talking about is, and they even mentioned this in the episode, what if Jordan Love isn't good and they need to, to bench him? Well, then suddenly, uh, what's his name is coming in? Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford is not coming in. Okay? Jordan Love is playing the entire year. What are you talking about? Good freaking Lord. Are they doing this with the Colts? And, and maybe they, they really think Gardner Minshew's great, and, and that's the point, but are they saying, like, what if Anthony Richardson's so bad he get benched and then Gardner Minshew has to come in? Are they doing it with the Panthers? And again, they do have Andy Dalton, so, so maybe, maybe that's legitimately how they feel about this. Like, well, well, if Bryce Young is terrible, they can bench him and put in Andy Dalton. But I, I, I don't know. I, I personally don't care, because if you're a Panthers fan and that really makes you feel comfortable, I don't know how that's going to help you. Listen, for Packers fans, this is Jordan Love or bust. Those are the only two options. I have no desire for Andy Dalton to come in and win four games for us. Jordan Love is either the dude and we're going to be awesome, or he's not and we need to bust out and we need to go get one of those top quarterbacks next year. There's no middle ground where I hope some garbage mid-tier backup Red Rocket freaking has-been Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, whatever comes in and helps us to try to stabilize terribleness. But again, why is it a question? There is this genuine belief that Jordan Love could end up benched by, by midseason. Are people saying that about Bryce Young? I don't think so. And they should be saying it about Anthony Richardson. I don't think anybody is. I don't understand. I, I just, I just, just do not understand. So the, the best possible outcome of that, if everything that we saw against Philly was real, if he's taken even more steps forward in the offseason, if everything's mm -hmm. going great in, in minicamp, is going to be great in training camp and all of that, like, yep. sure. That's entirely, this was a first-round pick at quarterback. Yeah, right, exactly. If he's really panning out the way that they hope he is, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden, it, it is a very good roster with a um, at least... Right, and why is that so far from your mind? Like, like it, it, it had to be this deep thought experiment that you've never even had before to where you're like, yeah, I mean, I guess in this weird universe where Jordan Love is actually good at football, then yeah, if you look at it, they have an amazing roster. That's all it took for you to acknowledge it's an amazing roster and you never even considered getting there? That maybe Jordan Love could be good? This entire premise, and she said early on, I don't know if I played it or not, that it was easy for her to determine the top two and the bottom two, but she struggled to, to figure it out from within. So in other words, I know it's Detroit and Minnesota, but I don't know which one's the top one, who's second. And I know it's then Green Bay and Chicago, but I don't know who's top or bottom. So you're saying the Packers are, are potentially the fourth team in the division. And it never even crossed your mind that Jordan Love could be good. But if you if you allow your mind to even go there, which you can tell by the way she's saying it, that it's like this whole, like, well, yeah, I mean, I suppose in this weird universe where that happens, then sure. That, but, but if you get there, then you recognize it is an elite roster. But, but, but that's just, to you, silly. I, 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 I'm serious. Am I crazy? Maybe I am. Um, am I that blinded by my Packers fandom that it's painfully obvious that Jordan Love is going to be terrible? Because please tell me, because I've been going on this tirade for a long time. Call in, message me something, just pull me aside and be like, look, dude, uh, we, we've been sticking with you because we like you and all, but you are a little crazy, and uh, we do kind of know Jordan Love's bad, and then lay it out for me so I can peel back the veil and see what I'm missing here. 
Because I don't, I don't get it. I understand being skeptical. I'm skeptical, as I've said. I don't understand being incapable of even allowing your mind to go to a place where Jordan Love is anything other than terrible and mocking and scoffing all the way through the thought experiment that maybe he's adequate. And again, we've done this so many times now, it is it should be painfully obvious to all of us that this isn't just some random person. This isn't just Nora Princiati and nobody else. This is a very common thought process that everybody has gone through. And the only thing I could think is that it's groupthink, right? Rogers left, therefore everything's terrible. The idea that, oh, they're going to get three in a row, like just very basic, shallow thinking that kind of has brought them to this point. And they've never actually pressed their mind to think about these things. I have no idea why we are where we are, but I am, I am about 50-50 between everyone's an idiot or I'm an idiot. I don't know which one anymore because it is so stacked in the other direction that I'm genuinely starting to wonder if I'm just way off base here, how can everyone be this wrong and this terrible at thinking? It's, it's almost to the point where it makes more sense that I'm just out of my mind. That, that's starting to make more sense to me, that there is just something broken in my own brain. And maybe that's why you guys come here. I've always just been a complete idiot. And you guys are like, dude, listen, he's hilarious. He's so convincing uh, to himself that he's really smart. It's kind of adorable, really. In which case, I don't know, maybe don't tell me. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. I, I'm, I'm at a loss here. I just wish Steven Ruiz would have freaking dug his heels in for five seconds and just been like, well, no, see, they're wrong. Here's why, but of course he can't do that. Good coaching staff, and then all of a sudden the sky's kind of the limit. I, I don't think... So the three issues to me are, have we seen enough from Jordan Love? No. No. But that's not a negative. It's an I don't know. We haven't seen enough to know anything positive or negative. And you can't treat it as a negative. Okay? To really know. Nope. Um, no. The second... That's, that's, that's insane that you, you came up with three issues in your head and one of them isn't even an issue. The second one is... Uh, I liked the flashes Christian Watson had as a rookie, but losing Devontae Adams has hurt this team overall, and I don't know that they have... have even in the aggregate made up for that loss. Fair enough. I don't entirely know the point. I guess if we're comparing it to can the pack, and, and this is something that I'm starting to wonder is if people are looking at it saying, it's almost as if 2022 didn't happen. And we're looking at 2019, 20, and 21. And then we lost Devontae and Rodgers, and everyone's like, dude, we're going to fall off. And Packer fans are like, well, they might not. It's like, are you out of your mind? In which case, yeah, Packer fans would be a little bit out of their mind. That's not what happened, though. We lost Devontae two years ago, and Christian Watson came in after the fact, and so it's kind of a weird thing to say, I guess. So you're right that I don't think we're going to be necessarily, at least in terms of the wide receiver position, although this isn't necessarily 100% true. I mean, if you look at it and say, would you rather Devontae, Lazard, Randall, and Tunyon, or Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Musgrave, Kraft... I mean, we'll see. The, 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 the young guys I, I just listed might be terrible. I don't know. But um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that you'd rather have the latter than the former. But either way, it's, it's, I, I don't fully understand because we're talking about comparing to 2022 and where they're going to end up. And you're talking about the Packers going backwards from last year because of what happened two years ago. So I don't understand the point of that. Um, drafting the tight ends 
is really interesting because you need those intermediate targets. You need those sort of like easy, short, medium range completions Uh for to make things easier on Jordan Love and, and just for his development overall. I just again, like we don't we don't see rookie tight ends adapt from the college game to the NFL game particularly quickly. I don't think that that's true. And as a, as a matter of fact, I've already looked at it, and that may be true in the aggregate, but every single really good tight end that I've looked at, every single one of them had a good rookie season. We, we went through this. Like, I don't know exactly who we would all agree on are good tight ends. We can, we can pick a few here. Uh, and I may be wrong about one or two, and maybe I'm misremembering, but Travis Kelsey, not even questionable, had an 84.6 PFF grade in his rookie season. That's unbelievable. Ah, George Kittle. George Kittle had a, uh, it was year two for George Kittle when he took off. 66th grade and then a 90. But uh, Dallas Goddard, 75 PFF grade as a rookie season. That's fantastic. Mark Andrews, 74 PFF grade. That's fantastic. Kyle Pitts was an 80, even higher than year two. Um, Pat Fryermuth is a kind of a question mark, but he's because he's young or whatever, but I would say he's a good tight end. 72.6. Year two was 75.5, so he really didn't even grow all that much, just good and stayed good. Um, and then who is the other one? Oh, Darren Waller is, well, Darren Waller's tough because he didn't really, he got into the league in 2015. He didn't really get an active role until 2019, which is kind of shocking. I don't know if he had injury issues or what, but... Uh, his grades weren't great, but he had six targets as a rookie. So, um, but but again, the, the, I I don't see necessarily the data unless we're just talking about yards in general. In which case, maybe I mean technically Kelsey had his least amount of yards, but we're talking 862 yards and six touchdowns as a rookie. That's pretty fantastic. Um, Kittle again, he had one of the bigger down years for his career. Still 515 and two touchdowns, and that was on a uh, somewhat limited more limited role uh dallas goddard i mean he, he was only at 354 and five touchdowns but again on a more limited role and he's never even cracked a thousand so yeah maybe, maybe it's just from a pure raw statistical and 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 the thing is again i don't know that any of our guys are going to have massive statistics because a lot of that like travis kelsey cracks a thousand yards every single year but that's also because he's he's like their entire offense some of these other guys are a piece of the offense. Like Mark Andrews is the offense. Darren Waller, big piece of the offense, not the entire offense. George Kittle, big piece, not the entire offense. Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia, he's a piece. I, he's probably not even the biggest piece. It matters. And when you're talking about Green Bay, let's say Musgrave is a really, really good, talented, you know, 75 PFF grade type of talent as a rookie. You can, you can be that, but you're competing in terms of total yardage with not just Tucker Craft and Josiah DeGuara, but with Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, Samori Ture, Aaron Jones, and A.J. Dillon. In fact, it's there's a metric called target share. I'm sure fantasy football people know all about that. It's not just how good are you, but how big of a piece of the offense are you. And so you can be really good, but only a small percentage of the offense, or you can be really good and be the entire offense, and that's going to make up a massive difference in terms of your usage and yardage. So, you know... I mean, I, I, I guess I can grant that to her, but I, I, I would say that there is far less... I think if she just phrased it as, because they're rookies, we shouldn't expect them to be super great right away, I would be much more inclined to, to accept it. 
But going so far as to say tight ends in particular take some time to acclimate, I find that to be less true than other positions. Just based on what I'm looking at here. Even the yardage is is not nearly as bad as, you know, again, look at look at defensive tackle. It's it's pathetic and horrific. Not just stats, but grades, usage, how much, how much they even get on the field, the lack of sacks, the lack of hits and hurries, the low grades. Tight end, I'm not seeing that at all. Even if they are good picks, even if those picks do pan out, usually just the, the history of that position says it doesn't happen that immediately. Um, yeah. Add in the fact that they're also, you know, very young at receiver overall. And by the way, when did young become a negative thing? We've got half the league bragging about how young their receivers are and how young and look at all the youth. And suddenly, youth is, is a bad word when you're talking about the Packers. Why? Is anybody looking at Jackson Smith and Jigba and saying that their wide receiver group over there got worse because Njigba's so young? Right? Like, you know, Seattle was better when it was just DK and Lockett. And now they got this Jackson, which, I mean, maybe someday... He'll be able to help, but I just I don't like the addition of youth to the offense. When did that ever become a thing? Again, if you want to broaden that out and say, I'm worried because there there's like no veteran presence. Fine, but but youth being a problem, it's not a problem. It's a good thing. That's why everybody wants it. Nobody's trying to actively get older. Chargers getting Quentin Johnson, man, what were they thinking? I mean, he looks good and all, but he's just he's just young, you know? So he's gonna suck. Jackson Smith and Jigba, again, he might be good someday, but probably going to suck, man. You know, I mean, that's just what happens these days in the world when you're young. There's never, I mean, it, listen, if there's any precedent whatsoever for young receivers coming in and being good, then maybe I would accept that. But obviously, young wide receivers like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Garrett Wilson and whatnot, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown and and Drake London and uh, Jalen Waddell and Chris Olave and like, you know, youth is kind of a problem. Does it matter that like half of the top 20 wide receivers have been drafted in the last three years? No, I mean, that's probably just a massive coincidence because as we all know, youth is, it means you suck. That's why we all try to get older and slower because that's where, that's where the money is. I just, I have more trust in known quantity Kirk Cousins, even with the baggage that comes. I think that's entirely fair. If you phrase it that way. Again, there's a lot of different ways you can look at things. And I think it's fair to say, it's, it's what I said earlier. If you're talking about how much trust you have that a team is going to be successful, I would have the Packers low. Because, I, it, because it's mostly unknown. But that's not negative. It's not bad. There is a, a percentage chance that a team is not going to suck. And for the Packers, that would be low. Because there, there isn't a lot that I can sink my teeth into and say, well, we know that this is going to prevent them. No, we, we don't know anything. But you don't take that information and then say, therefore, the Packers are bad. You're just, you're not understanding what you're even looking at or saying. Along with that, plus Jordan Jefferson, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh -huh. and then maybe you get something else from Jordan Addison, plus, you know, what's left of their run. Like, I'm just less worried about that than the fact that this just could be a kind of middling group. And if that's the case... Hold on. First of all, you're only talking about the pass catchers, right? And, and the other guy already conceded that the Vikings were better in that area. But if you take the entire team as a whole is when he said the Packers were ahead, right? So it doesn't really make sense to say, yeah, but look at Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, therefore the Vikings are better. What the heck are you talking about? 
Second of all, how did, did see what I'm saying? How do we get back to this the Packers team being a middling group? It might be a middling group. The Vikings might have a middling group. The Bears might have a middling group. The Lions might have a middling group. You just said yourself you want to see you probably didn't hear that part. I want to see more from Amon Ross St. Brown because I'm just not sure after one year, even though technically it was two, but whatever. So why do the Packers get dinged for might be, but everybody else is just solid data that we know? How about might be great, might be whatever there's just there's no consistency or anything here. Again, I don't mind saying I'll I'll rather bet on the team with the higher floor as opposed to the team with the higher ceiling. That's your prerogative. But just the the words that come out of people's mouths drive me nuts. You're concluding the Packers group is middling with no information. And again, are are only comparing the Packers and Vikings based on essentially two people. Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, and that summarizes the entire group for you and why you would put the Vikings ahead. You didn't talk about the defense, the offensive line, the running backs, nothing. It certainly makes the runway a little bit more difficult for the young quarterback. Um, and then the third thing, yeah, good defensive roster, but it didn't get him very far last year. Um, no, and a lot of that they were coaching, but they and they were healthy for coaching. So no, uh, not healthy, but yes, uh, we 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 missed out on Rashawn Gary. That's kind of a major piece. He is like the uh, key piece of our defense. So I don't know about healthy, but fair enough to say that um, you know they should be better, but that doesn't mean anything. I tend to agree with that. But again, that also applies to a lot of other things. I don't know how you can put Detroit number one in anything for a team that has never once in their life won the NFC North, right? I mean, doesn't the same logic apply? Look, I mean, technically they should be the best, but let's be honest, they've, they've, that doesn't really mean anything. We've never really seen them be good in the NFC North, but we're not going to do that. We're only going to apply these standards to the Packers because we don't want the Packers to be good. I, 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 there just sort of seems to be like this gleefulness that Rodgers is gone and now the Packers are going to suck. And when anybody comes along, they're like, um, just so you know, it's not entirely guaranteed. It's like, oh, shut up. Oh, please. Yeah, right. You're stupid. Like, what? I don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about. Where is this coming from? So anyways, you guys got to let me know. Have I lost my ever-loving mind? Am I the idiot here? Because I'm, I'm genuinely starting to think maybe I am. Maybe there's just this major piece that I'm not seeing about Jordan Love and about the wide receivers. There's some massive data point that everybody just knows, maybe intuitively. It's so intuitive that they don't bother to even bring it up, uh, which is why I've never heard it. But there's just this intuitive thing that makes you know that the Packers are going to be bad this year. Because I have no clue what that is. But everybody seems to be on the same page with this. And Stephen, do yourself a favor. You put in a lot of work to come to your own opinions. Stand on them. If somebody disagrees with you, that's fine. Disagree back. You don't have to spend hours and hours and hours researching things and studying the film of Justin uh, Jordan Love and everything else just to concede ground after five seconds and say, well, maybe I'm just friends with too many Packer fans. You're the host of the Ringer NFL show. It's a major NFL program. You're a host, whatever. Your opinion obviously means something to someone. Stop getting pushed around. Maybe Nora's his boss or something. I have no idea. Again, if that's your wife or your boss, or maybe you're trying to start a relationship, then, then I guess I could kind of understand it, although I think she would probably respect you more if you had a backbone. Just, just saying. But yeah, I mean, if, if she's your, your wife or your boss, then yeah, just, just leave it be. Otherwise, bro, have confidence in your opinions or stop podcasting. And don't write or don't do anything. There's no point to it. Oh, it's just ridiculous. Anyways, I'm going to go 
You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tonight, tomorrow, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.